0: Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal church in Leith, Edinburgh. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday morning service held on March 13th, 2022. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk.
1: Come this morning from scattered lives to meet with God. Let us recognize God's presence with us. Now we come to our moment of confession together. Daring to open to God, each other, and ourselves. We offer in silence the gift of our imperfection and we acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. Come home to yourself and to each other May all that is unfree in you and between any of us be released and may you and we blossom into a future graced with love. Amen.
0: that's taken this morning from Luke chapter 9 verses 28 to 36 glory Glory to Christ Christ our our Savior now about eight days after these sayings Jesus took with him Peter John and James and went up on the mountain to pray and while he was praying the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white suddenly they saw two men Moses and Elijah talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone and they kept silent and in those days told no one of any of the things they had seen. This is the gospel, good news for all. Praise to you, O Christ.
2: Let us pray. Loving God, come and be with us now. Open our hearts and minds to receive your wisdom and your grace and your compassion. Amen. I want to, uh, this morning, continue the theme of transformation that I was uh, speaking about last week, where I talked about the importance of liminal space, those in between times, the times where we feel less secure, less in control, less productive and less useful, that actually their times where potential, there is huge potential, for our transformation and our growth. Uh, And today's story of transfiguration of Jesus is also uh, about transformation. I want to look at uh, transformation, those up the mountain, top of the mountain experiences and also the coming down, uh, transformation coming down the mountain and uh, transformation we receive when we serve others. So the story in Luke's Gospel is about the transformation between the human and the divine. And clearly the transformation of Jesus uh, on the top of that mountain. But also that there was a transformation going on with uh, Peter and the other disciples who witnessed that experience. And it's a story that seems oddly placed right in the middle of Luke in amongst stories of a very human Jesus. A Jesus who gets tired, angry, frustrated as he goes about his ministry of preaching and teaching and healing. And then suddenly we have this transfiguration which feels like an amalgamation of a misplaced resurrection scene and a rerun of Jesus' baptism as Jesus is once again affirmed as God's chosen and favoured son. And I think Luke is going out of his way to emphasise jesus divinity and transcendence among these human stories he's emphatically stating that jesus is not just a great prophet like moses and elijah but god's very own son ensuring that we get that human divine balance of christ's nature which runs through the gospels and carl Rahner, you might not know him but he was a profoundly influential Catholic theologian really the driving force behind a magnificent uh, Vatican II document which really changed the faith of the Catholic Church and uh, the whole church worldwide he said this this, um, big academic really major academic said the Christianity of the future will be mystical or it will not be at all just uh, repeat those phrases the Christianity of the future will be mystical or it will not be at all. And I think what he's trying to imply is that our faith is not just a head knowledge uh, and about a a belief system, but that we need to have some experiential connection with the divine. Those moments uh, that Celtic spirituality call the thin places, where the divine and human come together, where we sense something other, something greater than ourselves. So those few moments on that mountain would have been transformational for Peter and the disciples and changed their thinking for life, a moment that they no doubt returned to again and again. Now, although nowhere near as uh, dramatic as Peter and the disciples experienced and fairly low on the mystical experience uh, scale, I experienced a thin place while canoeing on a lake in America. And if you imagine the scene, the lake was completely still, apart from the ripples in the water uh, caused by the canoe. And uh, I was canoeing in, on this lake, surrounded by beautiful trees, all shades of green and yellow and red and brown, um, absolutely stunning. And the sunlight was coming through the trees, reflected on the water, and all you could hear was the song of the birds and the rustling of the leaves. And there on that lake, I just felt this indescribable sense of peace, and I lay back in the sun and let, let the sun warm my face. And I was completely at one with everything around me, close to nature, close to something other than myself. My worries and anxieties just disappeared. And I was on that lake for about four or five hours, and it felt like minutes and no doubt many of you have experienced key moments in your life where you've had a sense of something other something beyond the ordinary whether it's through nature a beautiful piece of art or music or in the worship or in a cathedral or um, lots of ways that we can experience through another person this sense of other and these experiences are important they awaken us they give us a new perspective and have the potential to inspire us to live from a deeper place to give us hope and faith and direction in other words to be transformative so i i understand peter's response on that mountain when he says master it's good for us to stay here let us put up shelters Because I, on that lake, I wanted to preserve that moment on the lake where I felt so secure and so happy and so at peace. I never wanted to leave. And Peter was safe on that mountain with the transcendent Christ revealed in all his glory. No wonder Peter wanted to stay put and was so reluctant to come down the mountain. He'd much rather be up the mountain with the transcendent, divine, all powerful Christ that made him feel secure and safe. Then go down the mountain and be with the human Christ, buffeted by crowds, getting involved with the needs of the people, serving those who came to him. But clearly, Jesus does not want Peter to build shelters up the mountain or have any sense of permanence there. And he quickly leads him back down the mountain. So why is this? Why can't Peter just stay up the mountain and the disciples? Why why does Jesus require them to leave so quickly down the mountain? And again, I think transformation is at the heart of the answer. Jesus' transfiguration on that mountain is deeply connected with his journey to Jerusalem and his suffering on the cross. At the beginning of the uh, reading today it says about eight days after these sayings and part of the sayings were if any want to become my followers let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. In other words directly connecting Jesus' transfiguration to the way of the cross. So in reality the glory of Christ so manifest on that mountain top is not dependent on uh, <clears throat> is sorry is dependent on the pain and suffering that Jesus was to endure on the cross, and in fact was actually at its brightest on the cross. So instead of being obvious, the glory of Christ being obvious like it was on the on uh, the mountaintop, Christ, Christ's glory is hidden on the cross with those with eyes to see in the same way that I think Christ's glory is hidden in the suffering of our world. So down the mountain, Peter and the disciples are called not to just worship Jesus, but to imitate him, to follow in his footsteps, to journey with him. Faith is barely needed on the mountaintop, where Christ's divinity and glory are so evident. But down the mountain, the disciples will have to dig deep and have faith to carry their crosses, to bear their pain and the pain of others. It is this journey of the cross down the mountain which is at the heart of Peter's and the disciples' own transfiguration, and I think ours. So last week in Lent groups we looked at the role of silence in our lives and the potential for a fertile silence that attempts to cut down noise so that we can get in touch with the divine a good and sacred time. But we are not to build shelters there. We're soon called back to the mount, down the mountain where we again engage with the mess of the world, the pain of the world, again, both our pain, but the pain of others. And this week we're looking at service as we study the book, The City is Our Monastery. And one thing that Richard Carter expresses is the incredible mutuality In authentic service, of being with people rather than doing things for them, that it's not just about the transformation of others and being a force of good in the world, it's also about the transformation of us as we serve. And Richard Carter describes service as giving what is alive in ourselves, our hopes, our talents, our joy, our friendship, our creativity. And in giving generously, we receive back a hundredfold. So service is a gift. And in my, my experience, people um, uh, that have been dispossessed of many ways, the, one, the biggest loss they have, of, often isn't the, uh, the poverty they've been in or anything, is actually their inability to serve others. And um, it's a real, real loss. And there's a lovely story. Uh, that if You might have read the book, uh, in Richard's book, where he uh, goes to Indonesia. I think he's teaching it before he became a priest, teaching English as a foreign language. And he helps Agung, who's a young uh, Indonesian student who's very poor. Richard takes him in to live with him and effectively paid for his food and lodgings for about uh, two years. And, and you'll see a, a clash of cultures and, and different uh, ways of viewing the world. And after a couple of years, and I have to say, it wouldn't, would it, I'd have got to this point a lot, lot earlier, um, Richard began to feel resentful towards his friend. Not so much for giving him uh, this, but actually the lack of thank you from Agung. And one day it got to Richard and he said to Agung, you know in all these years I've paid for everything and you've never said thank you. And Agung replied, I would love to be able to give to you as you do to me. Perhaps it should be the one who gives who also says thank you too. Now I wonder what your response uh, to that would be. I think uh, Richard's was much more graceful than mine. He said, that's rich. You mean not only do I have to pay for everything, but I have to thank you for receiving it too. And he went on saying, in your language, when you give somebody, some, uh, somebody something and they accept it, you say, it's my pleasure. It, do you really mean that? And he said, I have no money at the moment, but it's a pleasure to be your friend and brother in this country where you have come to live. And then we roll on, I'll, I'll cut the story short, but 30 years later, Gung and his wife, Lily, come to stay with Richard in London. They pay for everything. <laughs> And they leave, they put an envelope with a card on the table that says, "Mass, Richard, Brother Richard, please accept this gift of a thousand pounds to help others as you helped me. It's my pleasure. Oh. <laughs> and so I think, uh, and it goes on actually, that he built, builds a house in Indonesia for the community and, and uh, invites Richard and Lily to, to come and stay. And they have a special room, little room, uh, for, uh, which has uh, Mass Richards' room, it's my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so the ability to serve others is a gift uh, that we should cherish, a gift given without expectation of anything in return. And I've learned that over the years, um, that the, the quickest way to uh, um, build resentment in yourself is uh, to give something to someone and expect something in return. Actually, we're, we're called to give without expectation. Um, always of things in return of course we do get things in return uh, hugely but not with that expectation so coming down the mountain and coming to face to face with the needs of the world and its pain and suffering whether our own or that of others has the potential and power to transform us to open up our heart space to the mystery of God's love and the love of our brother and sister It has the potential to somehow bind us together in a network of empathy and understanding. You can see that's happening with the response to the Ukraine crisis. If we build shelters, whether in church or outside, that shield us from life, then our hearts are unlikely to be opened. In fact, our hearts are more likely to remain closed because we know it all. We have the explanations, we've got the theology, we've got the right moral values, just like the Pharisees. But when we allow another event, and there are enough of them in the world uh, at the moment, or another person's, more importantly, another person's life, when we engage in it, uh, that person's life and event to change us and open up our heart space, then we are following Jesus down the mountain And entering into what is called the mystery of paschal transformation, which is what we celebrate when we do communion. The central symbol of our faith is a cross, which shouts out loud and clear that pain and suffering is not meaningless, but somehow matters, that through death, pain, and suffering, life comes. The mystery of human pain is how the heart is transformed. It is where we are increasingly transformed and changed into being more Christ-like so that we, like Peter and the disciples, may partake in Christ's glory. In other words, our transfiguration is happening. So I think the challenge to myself and all of us at St. James is that we have the choice to stay in a relative safety of our community where by and large we have similar values We have a sense of security, hopefully, and we can build our shelter. In other words, we can stay a Sunday church up the mountain enjoying our worship and fellowship, or we can use that wonderful worship and fellowship that we experience to inspire and energize us to go down the mountain and be of service. And again, I know that uh, uh, many of you are at full capacity and that you serve in many ways in your work. And church rightfully should be a place where you receive and you can go and serve. But I also think that as a community, uh, we need to sort of really harness the gifts and there are just uh, amazing gifts within our community. Being aware as we serve others that uh, we don't allow the burden to fall on a few shoulders which is often happens uh, in churches that we do become a church that is embedded that is connected and present in our neighborhood in our city and in our world and if we do that i think we will be transformed and receive as much as we give amen
3: Let us pray. The prayers this morning are very much based around the psalm we read, Psalm 27, and particularly the theme about seeking the face of God. So, as we begin, let's just spend a few moments in silence, individually seeking the face of God. Whatever our fears, our anxieties, our joys. Let us bring them all into the presence of God. We gather in weakness and we celebrate your strength. We gather in sorrow for the world. You promise us that those who mourn will be comforted. We are anxious about the future But you tell us to live for the day we find you strange and challenging god help us to be honest with ourselves and you and to open our hearts in silence to your grace in this section of the prayers when i say grant peace in our time God of Reconciliation. Can you just repeat those words back to me? Grant peace in our time, God of Reconciliation. Grant peace in our time, time. God God of Reconciliation. The Psalmist says with great confidence, The Almighty is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And then a few verses later, do not hide your face from me. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me. Hold us, Jesus, our friend, as we too swing between faith and doubt, confidence and questioning, reassurance and fear, as we look at our world. We pray for the people of Ukraine, particularly in the cities now under siege, remembering those in Mariupol and our twin city Kyiv. We pray for access to humanitarian aid, for respect for civilian lives, for an end to the fighting rather than an escalation. You are the God of miracles. Grant peace in our time, O God of reconciliation. reconciliation. We pray for refugees now on their way to the border that they may cross in safety. For all those welcoming them in the countries which border Ukraine, for our government's approach to welcome refugees. We pray for the Scottish Government and for its plans to be a super host and organise Welcome to Refugees in Scotland and for the City of Edinburgh Council thinking about work with refugees locally. Grant peace, in our time, God of reconciliation. Grant peace in our time, God of Reconciliation. And help us not to forget the other areas of anguish in the world. Further away physically, but just as close to your heart. We think particularly of Afghanistan, with so many people on the verge of starving and of Yemen where the fighting goes on grant peace in our time God of reconciliation, grant peace in our time, of reconciliation. we pray for our church here as we move through lent to Easter Help us to learn more about journeying with you. Journeying up the mountain to see your face and down the mountain to see you in others. And we bring to you in silence the concerns in our own hearts for friends and loved ones in particular need, through bereavement, through illness, insecurity, we pray for those who feel they have no purpose in life and those who dread waking up in the morning and remembering their pain. In a minute or two silence let's pray for them. If there are any names you'd like to share aloud please do so. And finally a blessing from the Lent book go forth into the world in peace be of good courage render to no one evil for evil strengthen the faint-hearted support the weak help the afflicted honor everyone love and serve god rejoicing in the power of the holy spirit amen
2: death was swallowed up in victory that light and light might reign. At supper with his disciples he took bread and offered you thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to them saying take you this is my body broken for you. After supper he took the cup he offered you thanks and gave it to them saying drink this all of you This is my blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you and for all that sins may be forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me. May the love of God surround you, the passion of Jesus inspire you, and the wisdom of the Spirit guide your thoughts and actions. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve Christ.
4: In the name of Christ, amen. amen. To. My God, to-